0: Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. I don't even know how to follow some of these things sometimes, you know. <laughs> but hey, I'm so glad that you're here. Today we're wrapping up our series, I Wish I Was There, but we're putting ourselves in the middle of some of the most incredible stories in all of the Bible. And today, uh, like Pastor Gary said, this is the story that when we did a text vote, this is the one that won above all the others. And I think that the reason why people wanted to hear about David and Goliath is because um, I think there's something inside each one of us that wants to know, what does God want me to do when I face giants in life? I mean, what does God want me to do when I face these giants in life? I'm like, I want to know because I automatically, mean, as a short guy, like most things look giant to me in life, right? Um, you know, and, I to, and look, there's people that think that because I'm a pastor that I live this life that's blessed by God and that nothing ever goes wrong and everything's always perfect. Well, um, that's not true. Now, I do believe that I do live a life that's blessed by God, but that does not mean that everything goes perfectly and that everything goes right. That's, that is simply not goes. For instance, um, the week before Easter, and like Easter, that's like Super Bowl Sunday for pastors, okay? So the week before Easter... The air conditioning on my truck goes out, and um, the back window, now I can roll it down, but I can't roll it up anymore, like I don't know what's going on with this thing. And to top it all off, that same week, like the seat heater just on the driver's side of my truck, like now it just starts coming on randomly, like it it just turns on. So like I'm driving down the road, and then all of a sudden like my pants start to get hot. and like. And I know there's like a thousand jokes you can run with that, but like, this is, this is church, y'all, okay? So like, dial it back. So the senior comes on, and I'm like, oh, it's so hot, so high. I reach over, and I'm having to poke and turn it off, and I have to do it like every 15 or 20 seconds now, and then I'm like, okay, I need that air conditioner on, so I crank it up, and then it just blows hot air, so I roll all the windows down, but now I can't get this one back up anymore. I mean, like, it's a mess, right? And so, because look, things just don't go perfectly just because I'm a pastor, I mean, I'm going to get all that stuff fixed this week. So, I mean, like, don't worry about that because, like, I cannot be driving around in August and, like, my pants catch fire. Like, that would be terrible. So, um, but my point is, like, look, things don't go perfectly for me just because I'm a pastor. And, and I've had bigger things happen than just, like, seed heaters go crazy. Um, I mean, there's been times in life when Amy and I, we faced some pretty serious financial crises. Um, in my family, we faced divorce and cancer. I think all of us at some point face opposition that seems bigger than what we know how to deal with on our own. And when we face opposition, when we face these giants, when we face overwhelming odds that are against us, what do we do? How does God want us to handle it? How does God want me to respond? Which is why I'm so glad that this is the story that won in our text poll. And that's why putting ourselves in the middle of the story is so incredibly important, because look, there is something inside of each one of us that wants to know, God, how do you want me to handle it when things go wrong in life? So let's put ourselves in this story and find out, all right? So let me, let me set the scene for you, all right? You are the armor bearer for the king. What that means is, is that you are solely in charge of polishing and cleaning and protecting and providing the armor for the king so consequently you are near the king everywhere he goes because you have his armor you are the armor bearer and as such when the king is on the battlefield whether he's actually on the field or actually in the tent near the battlefield you are with the king and so you overhear a lot of conversations that he has with his generals and with his commanders as they give him reports about how the battle goes all right so that is the scene, and that's the role. So what's happening at this stage in the game is that the Israelites are fighting the Philistines. The Philistines are camped on a, uh, on, a, on a hillside over here. The Israelites are on a hillside over here, and there's a valley in between them. And so if you were there, what would you have seen? So go ahead and pull out your message notes. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 17. If you want to just take notes in your Bible, you can. You want to take notes on the paper provided for you, you can do that too. But if I was there watching David versus Goliath, what would I see? Well, here's the first thing you'd see: you would see a defiant challenge. You would see a defiant challenge. Look what the Bible says, beginning verse four: A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Over nine feet tall. "'Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, "'Why do you come out and line up for battle? "'Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? "'Choose a man and have him come down to me. "'If he's able to fight and kill me, "'we will become your subjects. "'But if I overcome him and kill him, "'you will become our subjects and serve us.' "'Then the Philistine said, "'This day I defy the ranks of Israel.' Give me a man and let each of us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Okay? So get this. So at sunrise, out of the Philistine camp, literally comes out the biggest human being you have ever seen in your entire life. I mean, this guy is over nine feet tall. And he might have looked a lot like this. Okay? So let's let's bring Goliath out. All right? So, yeah. So we decided we would just kind of make a Goliath so we could kind of get some scale about this. And get this, Goliath, he's not like just some tall, skinny dude like a, you know, you know like Dikembe Mutombo, okay? He's like an enormous mountain of a man. I mean, he is huge. He is enormous. He is the biggest human being you have ever seen in your entire life and his name is Goliath, and the challenge that he issues shakes you to the core. The challenge is what was known in the ancient world as a single combat challenge. Sometimes, in order to limit bloodshed, what they would do is one representative from an army would come out, and another representative of an army would come out, and they would fight each other. And whoever won, that army won the entire battle. So instead of thousands or maybe even tens of thousands of people dying, only one person died. And it was called the single combat challenge. And so a Goliath comes out and he issues this single combat challenge. And today, and, well, and normally in these things, most of the time, what was it, stake was territory. You know, like, hey, we'll take over this land, we'll extend our borders out to here. But today, the stakes are much higher. Today, the stakes are are about slavery. Because if you win, the Philistines become your slaves. But if Goliath wins, then you become their slaves for the rest of your life. That's what's on the line. And by the way, Goliath, he's not just defying the armies of the, arm, the army of Israel, he's actually defying God himself. Because in, their, in those cultures, they believed that their gods fought for them when they went into battle, and so when Goliath defies the armies of Israel, he's really defying God himself. That's what he's really doing here. And we know from other verses that we're not going to have time to read that Goliath comes and he issues this challenge every day for 40 days. No takers. Every day for 40 days. And being a good Jewish armor bearer that you are, you realize that, hey, Here on day 40, God is probably about to do something big because God always does something amazing after 40 days. Like in the Old Testament, think about it. It was after 40 days that God stopped the rain on Noah and the ark. It was after 40 days on Mount Sinai that God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. It was after 40 days of the spies scouting out the land that the Israelites finally invaded the Promised Land and took over. And so here it is, day 40, and you're thinking, God, I wonder if you're about to do something great here. I wonder if something really amazing is about to happen. And sure enough, it does. Because on the morning of the 40th day, into the camp walks a young, confident young man. And you're looking at this person, you're thinking, man, he can't be more than about 14 years old. Modern day standards, he would be in about eighth grade. So this confident eighth grader walks into camp, and he hears Goliath's challenge from the valley floor, and he marches over to Saul's tent where you are. And he says, hey, King Saul, I volunteer. I want to be the guy that fights Goliath. And you hear the king, the king's like, yeah, I don't know if this is a good idea. Like, you're in eighth grade, man. Like, I don't think that you're up to this. I don't think this is maybe a really good thing for us to do here. And, uh, and as the arm bearer, you're there, and you're listening to the story, and you're listening as he and Saul talk. And so then, here's the next thing you hear. You hear about a boy with two tails and five rocks. Not tails like, you know, tails, but like tail, like a story, okay? Um, you hear a boy with two tails and five rocks, Okay? Here's what the Bible says, verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Okay? So, David asks permission to fight Goliath. And the rationale is that, like, he's a shepherd, and as a shepherd, you know, he's killed both a lion and a bear while he was defending his flock. And so, by the way, killing this Philistine is not going to be any big deal. By the way, I mean, like, don't you just love the invincibility of teenagers, right? I mean, like, they'll live forever, right? I mean, they're, they're invincible. I mean, that's just how they are, okay? And as the armor bearer, you help David, like, put on this armor, but it's like a little kid putting on his dad's pants, right? I mean, it doesn't fit, and he's just kind of stumbling around, and it's not working, and so David says, you know what? I kind of want any of these. I can't, I, I can't even go in this. And then... You see David approach Goliath out in the battlefield. And as David gets closer to Goliath, when he gets closer, that is when you really see the comparison. Okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, in your mind, right, you, got to go, you can see Goliath here. Okay, so in your mind, as best you can, try to picture a person about the size of an eighth grader. Okay? In comparison to Goliath. Okay? See if you can... Figure out, like, what the dimensions and scale, what might that look like if an eighth grader was compared to Like, why are y'all laughing? Like, that's not nice. Okay, I see you I see chuckling over there. I see that. But it's okay. I, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Um, but that, that's what's happening here. And as the armor bearer, you're looking at that, you're going, oh, that's great. I'm about to be a slave. This is awesome. Because you, you see what's going to happen. Okay? And then the third thing that you see is this you see a wise strategy and improbable victory. A wise strategy and improbable victory. Let's pick it up, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, but for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him reaching into his bag and taking out a stone he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground david ran and stood over him he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard after he killed him he cut off the head he cut off his head with the sword when the Philistines saw their hero was dead they turned and ran wow how cool is that okay so let me kind of paint it for you here. Here's what happens. So you see David. David goes out there and he calls out to Goliath. He says, hey Goliath, today you're going to die. Today you're going to die because you haven't just defied the armies of Israel. You defied the living God. And when you defy God, I'm telling you, you giant, today you are going to fall. That's what he says. And then David, he puts a sl- stone in his sling and he races out to the battle line. And that's when you see it. You realize David's brilliant. Because Goliath is what was known in ancient times as heavy infantry, okay? He's got lots of armor, he's got a shield, he's got a sword, he's got a spear. You no, know, things for close hand to hand combat. But David isn't gonna fight that way. David takes the approach in what ancient times is known as a slinger. A slinger is just what it sounds like. Slings a stone uh, in his, above his head, and these slingers were crazy accurate, very, very accurate. And they usually fought, not hand to hand, they fought at distances of 25 to 50 yards away and they could sling a stone so hard that it could travel 60 yards in 1 second so it would be like sling bam it's there i mean that that that's what happened and so you see you're like you realize david is going to do things on his terms and you realize holy cow david is going to get off Five, six shots, multiple shots before Goliath is even able to take a swing and get David within reach. And so you see David take that sling and he takes that sling and he zings it at Goliath. And that thing goes, that stone goes so hard and so fast and it hits Goliath in the only place where he doesn't have armor and that is right between the eyes. And it hits him so hard that that stone sinks down into his forehead and knocks him unconscious. And so Goliath falls face down. And we know that David was a safe distance away because the Bible says at that point, David ran to Goliath. He runs to Goliath. And Goliath's not dead. The stone's not what kills Goliath, okay? The Bible's pretty clear about that. David takes the sword out of Goliath's scabbard and kills Goliath Goliath with the sword. And then he cuts off Goliath's head. And then David, he takes his head, and as he holds it up like this in victory, you and all the, you're the armor, bearers, you and all the other soldiers, you're sitting there, going, you're looking at each other, and you see this most improbable thing that just happened, and as David lifts his head, you all go, yeah, like that. And then you run after these Philistines. Because, you know, they're supposed to be your slaves, but they don't do that. They turn tail, and they take off. I mean, you knew you probably couldn't trust them in the first place, right, to keep up there into the bargain. And so you end up chasing them uh, down through the valley, and you and your army kill almost all the Philistines that day. It's a huge victory. Unbelievable how it happens. Incredible. And if you were there and you saw all that go down in person as the armor bearer, you would arrive at multiple conclusions. Let me give you at least three. Here they are. The first conclusion is this, is that there is a huge difference between Goliath and God. Not between Goliath and David. I mean, there is, look, there's a big difference between you know, me and Goliath, between David and Goliath, but there's a bigger difference between Goliath and God. Look, and see, that's what you've got to remember in life. That when you're facing whatever giant is that you're facing in life, oh, that giant might look big. And in comparison to you, it is. But in comparison to God, that giant is small. There's a big difference between you and the giant, but there's a bigger difference between the giant and God. The giant might seem strong. The giant might seem powerful. But I'm telling you what, God's stronger, and God is more powerful, and God never loses, ever So look, whatever giant you might be facing, divorce, cancer, alcoholism, a failing career, financial troubles, a rebellious child, infertility, depression, aimlessness in life, an unplanned pregnancy, a devastating breakup. Students, maybe it's final exams, okay? But whatever giant you're facing, look, that giant might be bigger than you, but it is not bigger than God. And that means that you turn to God for help. Like you learn how to lean into God during those moments. Because look, here's the deal if you try to fight the giant yourself, you're gonna lose. I mean, how many foes had Goliath already vanquished in his life? Who knows how many? But when you face Goliath with God, that giant will fall. Now look, let me be clear. That doesn't mean that no one will ever get divorced. That doesn't mean that no one will ever die of cancer. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what it does mean. It does mean that whenever you get to the end of whatever it is that you're facing, that there will be victory. I don't know what that victory will look like. I can't tell you what a little victory like. Only God can tell you. Because I can tell you, nobody would have anticipated this victory that day. But I don't know what that victory would look like. But there will be victory at the end. And there will be victory because God is bigger than Goliath. Whatever giant you're facing, it might look big to you. But in comparison to God, it's not near that big. All right. Second conclusion you drive to is this. Number two. God uses past trials to prepare me for future victories. He uses past trials to prepare me and you for future victory. You remember when David told Saul that, hey, the reason that he was going to be able to defeat Goliath is because, you know, when a lion attacked the sheep and when a bear attacked the sheep, you know, he, you know, killed the lion and the bear. And so, psh, Goliath, no big deal. Well, I don't know about you, but like if I was a shepherd, and let's just say I had 200 sheep, if I got 200 sheep and some lion comes and it carries off one of my sheep, do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get on my knees and thank God for the 199 I got left. Like, I, I mean, it's circle of life, baby. Like, it's, it's, I'm let, let it go. Like, just let, he can have it. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I got other sheep, we'll make more. Like, it's all right. But not David. David uses that trial. Actually, God uses that trial. To prepare David for a future victory. See, God wasn't just thinking about the fate of the sheep that day when David beat the lion. God was thinking about the fate of Israel one day when David would face Goliath. So, look, I don't know what trials you face. I don't know what, maybe what you're facing right now. But whatever trials you face, that means that you turn to God. For instance, let me give you an example. I know a lady who was uh, sexually abused by her dad when she was growing up. And, and I, don't, I don't know the details. I don't know how many times, but even one time is too many. But uh, it, it ruined her life for a lot of years until she found Jesus. And when she asked Jesus to come into her life, it changed everything. It changed everything. She was able to forgive her dad. Now look, she and her dad were never close um, because her dad didn't change. But she did. And so she was able to forgive her dad. And she's married. She has three adult children. And she leads a recovery ministry in her church where she helps women get over abuse that they've had In their past. And for her, every woman that comes in, man, I mean, that is a chance for her to gain another victory. And look, I'm telling you, she's really good at it too because she knows just what to say. She knows exactly what they're going through. She knows exactly what their fears are. She knows exactly, you know, how to handle their situation every time. And every time one of those ladies has victory, she has victory in her life. Because God is using her to bring victory to them out of her past trials. So look, I don't know what trials you're going through. I don't know what you've been through, but I'm telling you this. God wants to use whatever you've you've gone through and whatever you're going through for a victory in the future. And I don't know what that might look like, but here's what you need to do. Instead of taking your pain and just wallowing in it and just sitting in it. You need to take your pain and you need to offer it up to God. And you say, God, I can't handle this anymore. I can't do anything about this. I can't fix this. I can't defeat this. And so I give you my pain. And then when you give it to God, let God take it, and let him bring healing to your own heart, and let him decide how he's going to use your present trials for future victories, all right? If you were there that day, you'd have a third conclusion. Here it is, number three is this, is success starts with a relationship with God. It doesn't end there. Success starts with a relationship with God. It doesn't end there. Look, when David goes out to fight Goliath, like it's obvious he has a relationship with God because David says that he fights in the name of the Lord Almighty whom Goliath has defied. And he says that God is going to deliver Goliath into his hands. Look, David's victory didn't result in a relationship with God. It started with one. It started with it. And by the way, think about the fact that it was a 14-year-old boy that had the courage to stand up and trust God that day i mean look where were all the other slingers where were those guys where were all the other adult warriors that day it makes me wonder what their relationship with God was like because look in order for you to have a relationship where you will have uh, with God where the victories over your giants are going to happen in your life that relationship with God has to be at the front end, not at the back end. What I mean by that is that a lot of people, sometimes they wait until they go through a difficult circumstance or they have a trial or they go through a challenge or an, a, a really hard transition. And then that's what forces them to get on their knees and cry out to God. But David's example says, no, 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 don't do that. Start with the relationship with God. Have the relationship with God during peacetime And then when war comes, you are able to handle it. That means you need to seek God now. You need to develop that relationship with God now so that when the trials come, you can handle it. And it means that when the trials come, God will lead you to fight on his terms and not on the giant's terms. that's what David did. David didn't fight on Goliath's terms. David fought on God's terms. He fought like God told him to fight, and that was key to victory. And so for you, if you will develop and deepen your relationship with God, God will show you how he wants you to fight these battles in life, not on the giant's terms, but on God's terms. Practically speaking, like, what am I talking about? It means that instead of standing up and taking matters in your own hands, it means that you get on your knees and you put them in God's. It means that instead of deciding what you're going to do and then just finding enough people to agree with you so you feel better about it, that instead you're open to what God might want you to do and you find other Christ followers and you ask them to help give you godly advice. It means that when everybody else is being selfish, that you choose to be generous. It means that when things aren't going your way, that you don't wallow in your own anxiety and worry and fear, it means that you end up having peace in the midst of a storm because you trust in the one who calms the storm. That's what it means. Look, my my point is this. You You will never know the joy of conquering a giant if you don't have a relationship with God First, not last. Because it's when you have that relation with God that he shows you how he wants to take care of those giants in your life. So you got to start there. And how do you do that? You start there by making sure that you're reading your Bible every day, by praying daily, by being committed to be in church and be involved in your church, by being a part of a a Bible study or a small group where you really get to know people and they can challenge you and you can grow and you can deepen. You gotta do whatever it takes to deepen your own personal relationship with God because it starts there. It doesn't end there. Now get this. Every relationship you've ever had in your entire life, every relationship has a starting point. And it's no different with God. Your relationship with God has a starting point. And that starting point is asking Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and choosing to follow him. So look, if you've never done that, like, you have to start there. Now, if you've already done that before, you don't have to do it again. Because once you've started a relationship with God, you, it, it continues. You don't have to keep doing it. So if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, I want to give you a chance to do it today. There's a prayer at the bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed that prayer before, then I want you to pray it right now. But for everybody else, if you've already prayed that prayer, understand... That relationship with God is the start of future victories over giants in your life. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for today. I also want to say thank you that on that fateful day when David stepped out to meet Goliath, God, you brought about an enormous victory that day. Huge, unbelievable. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody listening to me that's facing a giant in their life. No matter what that giant is, I'm asking that you would help them lean into you, that you would guide them, you'd lead them, you'd guard them, you'd protect them, and that you would help them gain victory over that giant. And you would use their past to help gain that victory, or you would use these victories to help them in the future to gain even more victories. And so I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would use this encounter that happened a couple of thousand years ago, actually almost 3,000 years ago now, to inspire us today to follow you with our whole heart, to be men and women who follow you like David did. And so bring us back next week so we can hear more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.